All right. Like, gut reaction. I'm ready. Ladies first. Polite or sexist? Ooh. Gut reaction. Oh, wow. This isn't a gut reaction. <laughs> this is, at this point, it is like maybe a, I don't know, a lung reaction. <laughs> Um, it's, I really, I hesitated because my gut reaction is polite. And then I was ashamed that I had wow. that reaction. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You heard it here, folks. Emily is anti-women. Listen, gut reactions are overrated. <laughs> I think thinking before you have your final thought is a good thing to do. Everyone it changes, you know, Kyle. <laughs> Uh, let's expound more upon ladies first and the fact that you think it's sexist. Why do you think it's sexist, Emily? Oh, God, you're putting me on the spotlight in both directions. <laughs> you gave both answers and now do not want to justify either of them. I guess I'm a man hater, you know? <laughs> Welcome to Butter No Parsnips. Every week on Butter No Parsnips, your hosts Kyle Imperator and Emily Moyers take you on an adventure through the weird, wacky, wonderful, and sometimes even wicked world of one wayside word. Strange characters, delightful bits, and general joyousness abound. Join them as they test each other's etymological expertise. Hey everybody, welcome to Butter No Parsnips. I'm the lady going first, Emily Moyers. And I'm the man laying his coat down over the water, <laughs> Kyle. How chivalric. How Kyle chivalric. doesn't get a last name because it's it's a ladies episode. Oh, if <laughs> only you knew Emily. Emily, oh, no. for, for this fine young lady I have before me, I've got a fine word. A fine word. Does it butter any parsnips? Let's find out. It butters all my parsnips, that's for sure. Uh-oh. <laughs> not like that. <laughs> I don't like this. <laughs> There's just not an easy way to come back from that moment. Emily, your word today is punctilio. P-U-N-C-T-I-L-I-O. Punctilio. My So here's immediate thoughts. Here's my gut reaction. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's have it. <laughs> well, my immediate reaction, because it's punctilio, ending on an O is weird, but it is immediately reminding me of like machismo. So I feel like this is like a quality of a person. Uh, you know, like it's not an adjective, but it is like a quality that a person can have. Am I, I right yes, or wrong? It's, it's not necessarily about people. But you're right in the idea that it is a quality of, of something. And this is a noun. Uh, it is a noun. It can be used as an adjective, but relatedly. And I feel like it comes from Latin. You got it. All right. All right. What other punct words can I think of? Punctuation? Mm -hmm. Punctual? Punctilio? Yeah. Wow. You're three for three. <laughs> Kyle, what's my hint? Emily, your hint is proper. <gasps> oh, so punctilio, going off of punctual, I feel like punctilio is like perfection. I think that's maybe a little too vague, but you're on the right track. Can I have another chance to specify? Sure, please. Punctilio is the quality of, wow, of, of, of being uh, like, like, 
pedantic. Oh, uh, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's dying. I mean, you're, He's dying. you're all, yeah, it's like basically it. So, yes. <gasps> Yay. So, I don't know if this is necessarily the most popular definition, but it's one of the broader definitions of punctilio is being used as a mass noun to refer broadly to strictness in observance of minutia of conduct or petty formality is punctilio, like as a mass noun. Okay, yeah, that is kind of what I was thinking. This is also called punctiliousness or punctilioship instead of just punctilio. Yeah, because my immediate thought was like, the adjective has got to be punctilious. And I feel like yeah. I have heard that, but not in a context where I knew what it meant. <laughs> but as a as a specific noun, a punctilio is a fine point in exactness of conduct or procedure, as in a nicety of behavior or ceremony, or a small or petty formality, or if perhaps in a negative connotation, a hair-splitting objection. So you might say like the punctilios of a job interview. Right, like the nitty-gritty, the details. I like that. It's fun, right? Yeah. At the least, you can use it to make yourself sound fancier. <laughs> it's a good word for sounding fancier. And there's a reason for that, Emily. It's because it comes from the fancy languages. That's right. The languages that make us sound smart. So a punctilio is partly from the Italian puntilio, which <gasps> has the same meaning. But sense. with a GLI, you know, the puntillo. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the Italian's predecessor is the Spanish puntillo, which means dot or spot. Oh, with like a double L? Yes, puntillo, yeah. like armadillo. <gasps> puntillo is a diminutive of punto, which means point. And that comes from the Latin punctum, meaning point or puncture, from Punctus, meaning pricked or punctured, and pungo, meaning I prick, puncture or sting. Oh. So it's like the fineness of the detail is like a little prick, a little point, a little spot. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And like punctual is like being right on, right on the spot on time. Yeah, you got it. Like a fine point in time. <laughs> you got it. Wow. Man. That's super yeah. cool. So a punctilio can also be like more broadly, a small or trifling point or detail, which we talked about earlier, right. and can be used as an adjective to mean trifling or petty. So something can be punctilio if it's just like, you know, petty nonsense, that's punctilio. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And it can be used with a more positive connotation to mean a precise point or fact. If somebody is, you know, very um, on the nose about something, that could be a punctilio. The person would or the fact would? Either. Uh -huh. The fact could be a punctilio. Like if you're talking about someone in an army room is giving, uh, you know, the statistics about a certain battle, you know, they right. could say that that specific, that one statistic was a punctilio. Right. Or the person is a punctilio? Well, no, because as an adjective, it means petty or trifling. Okay. I mean, you could if you were trying to say, like, this guy. <laughs> <laughs> what a know-it-all. <laughs> yeah. One who is punctilious is said to stand upon punctilios, uh, which That's is a phrase fun. that possibly relates to the phrase to stand upon points. I don't know if you've ever heard that before. I've not. I stand upon punctilios is more fun. Absolutely. Yeah. And punctilio can also mean a moment or an instant but 
only in the phrase punctilio of time, as in, it was then discovered that the porter had expired near about the same punctilio of time. Wow, it's like the point in time. Yeah. So the OED dates the earliest written instance of punctilio to a 1596 pamphlet written by the playwright and satirist Thomas Nash. Have you ever heard of him, Emily? Is he of Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young? <laughs> yeah, you got it. They, he lived for hundreds of years. <laughs> And slowly descended from a life of writing to a life of country music writing. Well, honestly, his writing probably wasn't far off from that. <laughs> well, now I can't wait to hear about him. <laughs> <laughs> so one of his pieces of writing, Have With You to Saffron Walden, was his last piece of writing in a literary feud with the writer Gabriel Harvey. A feud? A feud. The feud was cray-cray, Emily. We're not going to talk about <laughs> it much here, but like they wrote a bunch of things back and forth to each other, and at one point Nash apologized, but Harvey didn't see the apology, so he wrote more nasty things, and then oh Nash took the apology back. I was like, no, screw you. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> And one of the parts of Nash's uh, attack uh, against Gabriel Harvey was that he was like, you came up with all these words like jovial and conscious and idiom, <gasps> and no one's going to remember these words <laughs> ever. And it's part of the reason that we know Gabriel Harvey came up with those words was so because he was attacked for them. Funny, such significant yeah. words. Yeah, isn't that And great? did Harvey come back and he was like, well, you came up with punctilio. Yeah. <laughs> no, because Harvey stopped responding to him after this wow. pamphlet and like let other people talk for him. But in this pamphlet, Nash relates a story of how upon meeting Queen Elizabeth, she looked at Harvey and told him that he looked something like an Italian. Okay. Uh, yeah, right? Okay. Nash continues, No other incitement he needed to rouse his plumes, prick up his ears, and run away with the bridle betwixt his teeth. But now he was the Italian that wore crowns on his shoes and quite renounced his natural English accents and gestures and rested himself wholly to the Italian puntilios. He said, the queen said I'm Italian, so I am now Italian. <laughs> uh, this is my personality. <laughs> this is my identity to my core forever. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, isn't that uh, fun? I guess. <laughs> A man abandoned his life. <laughs> I don't know if he actually did or if it's like a an exaggeration for as an attack. But I mean, who knows? No, no. In my head, he had like a family that he abandoned. <laughs> <laughs> Moved to Italy. That's right. A fun thing about Nash's pamphlet, it also includes the earliest known written references to the phrases fee fi fo fum No. Yeah, which he quotes as fi, fa, and fum. What? Yeah. And he meant it like a giant saying, I smell he's, the blood of an Englishman? He, yes, he's quoting it and even says, like, I'm not the first person to talk about this ancient saying, but it's the first time that we ever see it written. Was he, like, telling the story of Jack and the Beanstalk, or was he talking about that out of context? The pamphlet is written as a dialogue between four made-up people complaining about Harvey. It's like those Greek philosophy dialogues. Yeah, yeah. But they were talking about 
giants? I guess. I don't know. I'm so, I gotta read this now. I'm very yeah. confused on how Fifi Full Plum came up. <laughs> it also includes the earliest known written reference to the phrase, worst comes to worst, written wow. as if the worst come to the worst, as in if the worst possible outcome should become the worst possible reality. Wow. That is very cool. But boy, we got a lot from these two. From these two guys and they're just argument. Wow, Kyle, we have to start like a vengeful feud and that's how we'll get famous. Oh, yeah. We haven't already started one. Oh, Kyle, what have I done? <laughs> you didn't answer the question, Emily. What was the question? <laughs> Ladies first. Oh. Sexist or polite. <laughs> And I never will. Well, that's all right. You're not going to want to answer it after uh, what I'm going to talk about next. Oh, no. So, Emily, as punctilio is closely related to codes of conduct, it appears often in various guidebooks on civility, which are called different things. They can be called conduct books, courtesy books, books of manner, books of etiquette, etc. Emily, what do you know about manners? Do you have any etiquette tips for our listeners? Well, what do you know about manners? <laughs> Clearly not much. <laughs> uh, I don't think I know much about etiquette, Kyle. I think I'm I'm pretty slovenly. <laughs> <laughs> no, I imagine there are some things that you do know uh, that you might not just consider etiquette. You know, things about like taking your hat off at the table or, you know, not talking over another person, things like that, you know? I don't know that I follow either of those rules to a T. <laughs> but you've heard of those things, right? <laughs> I have heard of both of those rules. <laughs> so the rules like that come from these etiquette books. And the genre goes back to at least the 13th century, originally covering royal conduct, but the books appealed to aspiring urban working classes. And so by the end of the 17th century, the topics broadened out to social conduct for the middle class, covering themes like moral education and gender roles. Oh, I don't like where this is going. <laughs> for example, Emily. Uh-oh. Erasmus Joneses. <laughs> for example, Emily, get back in the kitchen. <laughs> you get back in that kitchen. <laughs> Tell me about Erasmus, Kyle. I already yeah. don't like him. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a guy, right? <laughs> Erasmus Jones's 18th century The Man of Manners describes appropriate conduct of men and women with regards to visitation. Ugh. It says, How solemn a thing the observance of punctilios is among the fair sex. To preserve them from any the least breach of punctilios, the lady supervises her ceremonial ledger every morning, lest she should leave any debt of honor unpaid. <laughs> I assume this is what you do every morning. I just have to study the rules of <laughs> etiquette before I get out of bed every day. <laughs> well, the ceremonial ledger in like regards to visitation was like a ledger that a woman like a book that a woman would keep of all the men that she needs to visit and has visited what yeah I, like I for like social rounds? purposes yeah <laughs> i guess it was like i don't know some sort of like scheduler you know yeah, for the yeah, 18th yeah. century woman and to make sure that you weren't spending like too much time with any man well yes actually and the politeness there goes 
both ways, because Jones continues to explain that men should receive and return a lady's visit with as much expedition as civility and ceremony will permit, and that men should not let conversations go on too long as women have seldom material to furnish a long discourse <gasps> unless they comment upon their neighbor's failures and turn their misfortunes into the subject of diversion. I believe they're talking about cavils and calumnies. <laughs> they are, truly. <laughs> it seems that every man in the world agreed that women can't talk for long unless they're Just, insulting someone. <laughs> you know, maybe it's time I leave. You brought up Nancy, and I think this can only go cue. one way. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. Maybe uh, I, Erasmus wrote that because he was afraid the women in his life were going to start talking about him if about they him. Work, if they stayed anywhere too long. He said, if you hear my name, cut and run before she has a chance to say a word. Please. I need to protect my honor. <laughs> Emily, another punctilio of etiquette, uh, this time from the exceedingly popular courtesy manual, The Rules of Civility, oh. states, We must apply ourselves with discretion and observe the punctilio of degrees. For if we are bound to be civil to our equals with a friendly and amicable civility, we must be more so to those who are anyways above us, more so to those above them, and so on to prince or crowned head. Sure. Does that make any sense to you? It does make sense to me. And I like how he's conveniently left out that this implies you should just kick mud into the faces of those <laughs> yeah. below you. Of below you, yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> his book isn't about them, Emily. Um, he, he goes on to talk about like some other things that, like he talks about table manners after that and about how like if you're sitting with a prince, like you would take your hat off for a prince, even though like if you were sitting with your friend, you might not take your hat off for him. Uh, but he also gives this one great example i'm gonna paraphrase it because it was long but it was fun but basically like if someone asks you for a piece of bread and you're hosting them at a dinner and the bread is next to you and you know that you cut that bread yesterday and so one of the ends is stale wouldn't it be rude to give them the stale end so you could have the fresh piece i mean for sure it would be rude but um you know i'm i'm gonna do it for sure <laughs> Wow, Emily, we've... So we've determined Emily is not polite. Definitely. <laughs> Definitively. <laughs> For me to be punctilious here, I should let you know that the rules of civility uh, was translated from a French work, which took much of its material from a Jesuit manual, which in turn was based on Giovanni della Casa's famous courtesy book, Il Galateo, published in Venice in 1558. Il Galateo. Uh, it was named after a, some priest named Galeazzo, and Galateus is like a Latinized version of Galeazzo. Sure. Or Galeazzo, or something like that. The book, Il Galateo, became so popular, Emily, that it led to the creation of the Italian word Galateo, which means etiquette or good manners. Wow. Yeah, isn't that fun? He, he literally is the last name in etiquette. <laughs> he really is the name of etiquette, yeah. And that name Galateo is a cognate for the English Galahad, which has separately <gasps> become a term for a man who is noble or chivalrous from oh, Sir so Galahad fun. of Arthurian legend, who probably 
uh, swinged some dragons in his time. (laughs) So, Emily, Il Galateo was one of many conduct books written during the Italian Renaissance, which saw a revival of the genre due to the reemergence of urban civilization in the Italian city-states. There was a lot of, you know, kind of aspiring middle-class citizens who were trying to be like, oh... I could be, you know, more haughty-taughty if I just had a book of manners to tell me how to do it. (laughs) Uh, These books were then translated and reprinted in the United States and in the 18th and 19th centuries heavily influenced American social conduct, which is a, a reason why a lot of our social conduct can be stemmed back to all of these things that I've been saying. Interesting. (laughs) And one big piece of evidence for the uh, importance of these manuals, there exists a list of 110 rules of civility written by punctilianist George Washington (gasps) that is often ascribed as his own personal rules of etiquette and held as an example of his virtue. Wow. But this list, in reality, was a handwriting exercise copying word for word an English translation of that Jesuit manual that was based on Il Galateo. So it wasn't necessarily like his personal code, it was just his writing exercises? He was he was 16 when he wrote it. So funny. But there are a lot of people who say like, well, you know, it's just evidence of like, he brought himself up on this code. Like he was taught to believe this. Sure. But Emily, in a way... You could say that our idolization of Washington's punctilio, of his virtue and of his manners, like Gabriel Harvey, we've all rested ourselves to the Italian punctilios. (laughs) (laughs) We have. We have indeed. Yeah. That is, uh, that's punctilio, Emily. Wow. I mean, super fun. I feel like I want to read the that that list now <laughs> of George Washington of George Washington's sixteen year old <laughs> virtues. <laughs> well, I uh, you're gonna get your wish in a little bit. Oh wow! Um, but first, Emily, <gasps> can you use punctilio in a sentence? I'm sure that I could, but I'm also sure that it's going to take me too long. Uh, it's 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 a rough one. <laughs> um, I often rest myself on the punctilios that I don't need to. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. I will punctilio myself in circles frequently. (laughs) Perfect, Emily. Perfect. (laughs) With that, uh, are you interested in learning some more punctilios? I am so interested, Kyle. This word is very, very, it's a fun word. And I feel like I can't say that enough. We're going to do punctilios in a game, Emily. (gasps) <gasps> a game. Your game today is called Punks in a Row. <laughs> Get all your punks in a row. <laughs> yeah. So we know that George Washington is legendary as a man of punctilio. In order to punctuate this point, uh, <laughs> we're going to puncture his punctilio punctuation with punctuality, <laughs> whilst deciphering the other words that descend from the Latin pungo. So I'm going to read a piece of advice from George Washington's 110 Rules of Civility, and you're going to tell me which punctilious word it relates to, which word that stems from Pungo it relates to. Oh, okay. Oh, I hope I can. Remember that Pungo means I prick, puncture, sting. Okay, got it. Okay. 
So when Washington wrote, Wear not your cloths, foul, ripped, or dusty, and take heed that you approach not to any uncleanness, he was urging one to avoid smelling how. Oh, pungent? Pungent, Emily. Wow. So is that like like you, you sting with your smell? <laughs> yeah, it means having a strong odor that stings the nose. Wow. Nice job. Oh, thanks. There's three more, okay? Ah, oh, crap. Uh, we'll see. Uh, it's going to get harder. <laughs> I was hoping on. to end at w- one for one. <laughs> <laughs> Emily, when Washington wrote, Use no reproachful language against anyone, neither curse nor revile, he was hoping a conversation wouldn't lead to throwing what? Punches? Punches, Emily. <gasps> a punch, as in a hit or strike with one's fist, is actually a shortening of the word punchin. Punchin. Spelled like luncheon. <laughs> spelled like luncheon? With an yeah, E-O-N? E-O-N. <laughs> and a punchin originally was a number of different things, but it could have been a tool for stamping designs was a punchin, oh. or a tool for punching holes in something was a punchin. Or you could call a short piercing weapon, such as a dagger, a punchin, which now makes it the second E-O-N word that we know to be a synonym for dagger. If you go back to dungeon, <gasps> dungeon. From dungeon. Yeah. <laughs> really good. Listen, Kyle, I'm riding high. You're doing pretty good. This one's going to be hard. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. So when Washington wrote, Be not hasty to believe flying reports to the disparagement of any, he was telling one not to act without what sort of guilt. What? And this is a descriptor for guilt? There's a word that is a type of guilt. Well, it's a word for that relates to guilt. Guilt is kind of just a clue. It's a hard word. don't know. Tell me. The word is compunction. Compunction. Which is a pricking of conscience or feeling of regret. Sure, like you have a compunction to do something. Is that how that word is used? Right, if you do something without any guilt on your mind, you're said to have done it without compunction. Without compunction. Comes through the Latin compungere, which means a severe pricking. And it's interesting because pricking of conscience conscious was one of gabriel harvey's words that he came up with so wow all right you ready for your last your last one emily i'm ready washington wrote every action done in company ought to be with some sign of respect a piece of advice you might look back on fondly or find incisive or what what (laughs) so this word means looking back fondly on something, or it can also mean incisive. Huh. I don't know. Ready? Yeah. The word is poignant. Oh. It comes through the Anglo-Norman poindre, meaning to prick. Originally, poignant meant of a weapon, sharp-pointed or keen. And But today, it can mean emotionally moving or figuratively penetrating or piercing. Yeah. Poignant. Yeah, I get that. But it literally meant a weapon. That's so fun. Yeah. It, so a punchin would have been poignant. A, a poignant punchin. <laughs> yeah. 
you're two for four, Emily, but that's pretty good. I think George Washington would have given you a big wooden toothy smile. (laughs) (laughs) Well, listen, you know, as we recently learned from our best board game friend, Joshua Blackburn, it's okay if a question is hard, if you get it wrong and you're still interested. And I was with both of those. So So great game. Great episode. (laughs) A great word. Thanks. Hey, everybody listening right now. Remember that you can find Butter No Parsnips on social media, on Facebook and on Instagram at Butter No Parsnips Podcast and on TikTok at Butter No Parsnips. And if you liked today's episode, consider giving us a five-star rating or review wherever you heard us. And if you really liked today's episode, consider donating to our punctilious Patreon <laughs> at patreon.com slash Parsnips. Donating $5 or more earns you a shout out either on social media or here on the podcast. Thanks so much to all of you. You help us make what we make. And with that, I've been Kyle Imperator. And I've been Emily Moyers, and this has been Butter No Parsnips.